Super Sunday. Now, welcome to the stage, recently voted best biceps in all of Hopkins County, Dr. Joel T. Meyer. Slate, I'm gonna make um, Kiffer have you do extra burpees at CrossFit for that one. Hey, welcome to Super Sunday. We're so glad you guys are here, and it's such an honor to be here with you guys, and thank you all for coming to celebrate our 20th birthday as TWBC. Can we give God a hand clap of praise for that? Wow, 20 years ago, and about 40 pounds lighter, right? God's an amazing God, and this has been an amazing journey, but as fun as it's been looking at all the pictures and looking at all the things over the past week and getting ready for today I, I love looking at what God has done but you know my heart is really shifting because I'm more excited for what God is about to do in the next 20 years amen I'm more excited about the direction he's got our church going and the things that he's doing in our church and we're going to see him continue to be an amazing God a faithful God he's still a God of miracles and we want you to receive all that God has for you here this morning at TWBC our heart's desire is that you find friends discover your purpose and encounter God because we believe in life change at the way Bible church life change is what we've grounded this thing on from the beginning we don't believe that's something you can do on your own. But life change only comes when you have an encounter with Almighty God. And it's our prayer for you this morning to encounter Almighty God. We hope that you find friends afterwards as we eat and fellowship and have games and rides and all the fun things to do. But our heart is that you encounter God. And so if it's your first time at TWBC this morning, I want to say welcome to the Way Bible Church. Welcome home. We believe this is a place for you to belong. Amen. And with that being said, this isn't a, uh, a, a, bait, a bait and hook type deal where it's like we're going to bait you and hook you and get you in at a big service and then when you come to TWBC next week, it's all different and nothing's the same. No, we wanted to give you a taste of what TWBC is like right here in the Civic Center, in this auditorium, where this is how we do services. We have an amazing encounter with God through about four worship songs on a Sunday morning. We have a time where we inform you about things going on in the church, and then we have a message where we believe God is going to impact your life, where he's going to touch your heart, and we'll see you transformed and encounter him, and you'll have life change that will lead to the next step of what he's called you to do and who he's called you to be in this life. And so as we're getting started this morning, as you're opening up your Bibles to the book of Ruth chapter number one the book of Ruth chapter number one open up your Bible app on your phone if you didn't bring your physical Bible you can also go to the TWBC SS app you can download that and click on the Bible there and so you always have a Bible with you wherever you go and so as you're turning to Ruth chapter number one I want to say welcome to all of our online family thank you for all of you guys watching all around the world we know that people are celebrating with us here today and so welcome to the way Bible church and welcome to your home even though you're away from home this morning and as we get started today I'm excited about what God is going to do in the next 20 years and so the title of this morning is called trifecta the title of this morning's message is called trifecta and so I believe this God works in threes God works in threes God is three he's the trinity he is three in one he is the father the son and the holy spirit the Bible says this, everything must be confirmed by the mouth of two or three witnesses. The book of Ecclesiastes says a three-stranded cord is not easily broken. You're a three-part being. You're a spirit, soul, and body. And your spirit, man, is first. 
And in this, we got the three patriarchs of, the, of our faith in the Old Testament. You have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You got Joseph in the book of Genesis, where he was stripped three times on his way to the palace. Now, we love the palace, but we don't like the peeling off process, amen? Well, we love the victory at the end, but we don't really like the pain of getting to the palace on the way. And Joseph was stripped three times on the way to the palace. His brother stripped his robe of favor off of him that his father gave him. Potiphar's wife took his robe of authority off of him when she tried to seduce him. And then in the jailer, and as he was in jail, the jailer stripped him of all his jail clothes and had to shave him and clean him up before he could make his way to the palace. Sometimes in your life, there's going to be a peeling off process on the way to the palace. Can I get an amen? Have you ever been through a stripping process where it seems like everything is falling apart and everything is falling away? Well, Joseph went through three different strippings and peelings off on the way to the palace. And so if you're feeling like you're peeling something off today, get ready. You're in good company because God's working in your life. And I'm excited to see where you're going to end up. You got the three synoptic gospels. You got Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And synoptic simply means similar in writing. And then you have the autoptic gospel, which is John. And that's where he's literally the autobiography of God is Jesus is in the earth. You got Jesus' ministry that lasted three years on the earth. You got three disciples that went places that the other ones didn't. You had Peter, James, and John. They went to the Garden of Gethsemane, the place of further still. You also have the three days in the tomb where Jesus was in the tomb for three days. But how many of you know he's not in the tomb this morning? He's alive he's well he's Jesus Christ the same yesterday today and forevermore and I love what God is going to continue to do this morning as we talk about the threes in the Bible and so biblically the number three means divine wholeness or completeness the term trifecta is built out of two different words tri meaning three and fecta coming from the word perfect or perfecta so when you combine the words tri and fecta you get the word trifecta where literally means it means perfect three in perfect order and so this is where horse racing has it if you pick the trifecta it means you pick the three top horses in the correct order and it's the trifecta and so that's where they get that word and so in the book of Ruth we have three women that are mentioned and you have Orpah you have Naomi and you have Ruth these three ladies are going to represent three different mindsets this morning as we go through this message Today you have to choose what is your mindset going to be as we go into the next 20 years as TWBC. What is your mindset going to be as you go into the next five years of your marriage? What is your mindset going to be as you go into the next one year of the vision God has for your life? What is your mindset going to be as you press through the peeling off process to get to the place where God has called you? Because a lot of times the picture that God gives us doesn't come all at once. It comes in pieces and it comes in peelings and sometimes it even comes as you go through painful situations in your life but I'm telling you all the things that you've gone through may have not been orchestrated by God but I'm telling you with God all things are possible and if you've gone through it God can take those painful peeling off processes in your life and work all these things together for good because he says I work all things together for good to those who love me and are called according to my purposes amen so he's going to work something in your life. Everybody say he's doing something. Life today. And so as we kick this message off in the book of Ruth chapter number 1, the Bible starts off in Ruth chapter number 1 and it says this. In the days when the judges ruled the land. And now what time frame would that be? 
The time frame when the judges ruled the land is right after Joshua went home to be with, be with the Lord and then judges took over ruling of the land. And so you have the first five books of the Bible, which are the Pentateuch, and Moses wrote those. And then Joshua takes over after Moses' death. And then you have a book called Judges, and that's the time when the judges ruled the land. And Ruth lived in that time. And so you have Joshua, the book of Judges, where they talk about Samson and the judges, and then Ruth. Ruth is the first book of the Bible based on a woman's account and her encounter with God. And her mindset was different than anyone else's. And so in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man from Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife was Naomi. The names of their two sons were Milan and Kelon. They were Ephraimites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went into the country of Moab, and there they remained. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. She took, these two, she took for the, her sons two Moabite wives. The name of one was Orpah, and the name of the other was Ruth. And they lived about 10 years. Then both of Naomi's sons died so that the woman was left without her sons and without her husbands and just her two daughter-in-laws. So as we start this off, that's not the wow, amazing scripture that some may think you should start a, a celebration message off with, but we're gonna be celebrating at the end because God's gonna bring us on a journey this morning as we talk about what's going on. And so Bethlehem, I mean, many of us have heard of that city. That's the city where Jesus was born. It's in Israel in the land of Judah. And Bethlehem means house of bread. House of bread is what the literal name of Bethlehem is. The irony of this is there was no bread in Bethlehem. There was a famine in the land. So there was no bread in a city called House of Bread that should be fruitful with all the bread and everything that brings fulfillment in life. But there was a famine, and so the House of Bread had no bread. So they had to leave the House of Bread and go to a place of captivity called Moab. Now, Moab is a nation east of Israel, east of the Jordan, that had ancestral relations with Israel. And it was a flourishing kingdom that went through seasons of war and seasons of peace with the nation of Israel. Now the question I have this morning is, was Bethlehem being the house of bread and it had no bread, is that irony or could that be prophecy? Is that irony or could that actually possibly be prophecy? The irony is this, there was no bread in the house of bread. So they had to leave the house of bread and go to a place of captivity called Moab. But my question is this, how many people today are leaving the church, the house of bread, and selling themselves into captivity, trying to get full on something that can never bring fulfillment? In the church today, the church should be the house of bread. Jesus is the bread of life. If Jesus is in us and we are in him, he says, abide in me and I abide in you. And apart from me, we can do nothing. That means the bread of life is in us. And when we all come together to the house of God, we literally become the house of bread. But I see this, more people are leaving the church than ever before. And so the question I have is, are we leaving the house of bread because there is no bread to try and get fulfillment in a place of slavery that will never bring fulfillment? Let's change the scope. Let's change the landscape. Let's change something this morning so that there's actually bread in the house of bread. Amen. 
So there's actually the power of God that we read about that begins to work in our life here today. Let's see what God can begin to do as we begin to put emphasis on seeing people fulfilled not with stuff but with Him. I believe God is going to I'm going to take some liberty this morning. This isn't in my notes, but I believe this. There's a section of people who came in here empty, looking, and searching, but you don't know what you're empty about, you don't know what you're searching for, and you don't know what your next step is. I'm believing this this morning. If you're looking for a place of fulfillment, it's not going to be because you found a great church. It's going to be because you encounter God at a great church. I'm believing for you to have an encounter this morning where God speaks so clearly to you that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt this is my place to find friends, to discover my purpose, and to encounter God on a weekly basis with a group of people that can see my life fulfilled and my destiny fulfilled so our county can be reached, our city can be reached, and the, and the, and the, and the people in this area can have what God wanted them to have, a house of bread that they can come to. I declare we become a house of bread immediately in the kingdom of God. So as we, as we start this journey, we're talking about three women. And the first woman I want to bring up is the woman Orpha here. And with this, the Bible says at the end of verse, um, at the end of verse 8 or 5 that we just read about, that Naomi had a husband and two sons and her husband died and 10 years later her two sons died so now you got Naomi with the two daughter-in-laws <laughs> enough said Lord help them the in-laws got to kick it together now what was binding them together had left them and so they had a decision to make and the Bible says this in in Ruth chapter 1 verse number 14 at this they all wept aloud and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and back to her gods. Go back with her. Orpah represents the mindset of quitting and going back to the way things used to be. When things aren't going right in your life, when things haven't lined up just the way you wanted to, mindset going to be like some of you have a mindset this morning that I'm already ready to quit on my job I'm ready to quit on this career I'm ready to quit on this problem I'm ready to quit on this issue and I'm ready to go back to the way things used to be the problem is is time has elapsed since what you remember it being to what it is now so even if you go back to what used to be it's not going to be the same as you remember it and so the quitting that was inside of Orpah to go back to her gods and to go back to her people, the people of that she was going back to have already passed her by. And they're different. People change over time. I can't begin to tell you all the changes TWBC has seen over time. I can't begin to tell you when I see some of the pictures that were flashing through all the changes that took place over time. And people have left and come back and they say, it's a different church. You're right because times change and we grow over time. And with that, what if what you have been going through is simply a distraction for what God is trying to bring you into? 
See, some of us wonder why we're going through something. But what if what you've been going through is simply a distraction trying to keep your eyes off of what God is trying to bring you into and get you focused on what you're going through? Because as long as you're focused on what you're going through, you're never going to step into what he's got for you. Come on, somebody. I can't tell you how many times I've missed what God was wanting to bring me into because I was distracted by what I was going through. And I realized this over the 20 years of ministry that if I'll get my eyes off the distraction of what I'm going through and I'll begin to look at Jesus Christ who is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, I'll get my attention fixed on him. He'll try to bring me into what he actually has for me. So what if all the things you've been going through are a distraction to get your eyes off Jesus from what God is trying to bring you into. I'm telling you, quitting is not the answer. Going back to the way things used to be isn't going to fix the problem. You're going to go back and actually pick up more problems because you're going back to the problems you didn't fix then. What if what you're going through with your kids right now is simply a distraction for what God is trying to bring you into. I'm going to tell you the secret to a long, successful life. And it's very simple. The enemy's job is to do one thing. That's to get your eyes off Jesus. It's not even to get your eyes on him. It's to get your eyes off Jesus. He knows you're born again, so he knows you're not going to go and look at him, but he knows you are going to look at your checking account. So if he can just get your eyes off the supplier and get it onto the lack of supply that you have, the key to a successful life is learning how to stay fixed and focused and keep my eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the finisher and the perfecter of my faith. What if his, the only distraction of the devil is this? He knows you're not going to run to him because you're a believer in Jesus, because you know that you've had an encounter with God. But if he can get your eyes off the healer and get them onto your health problems, and then you'll start being more concerned about your health problems than the one who can heal it. What if what you're going through is just a distraction because God's trying to bring you into something in your life? Yesterday is the third greatest day of the year every single year. You got Christmas and Thanksgiving and the start of college football season. Come on, somebody. And I watched a game last night as I was spiritually getting ready for this morning. And there were two teams from the state of Florida playing each other. And I noticed this at the beginning of the game when I got to watch the start of it. That every time a team would start driving down the field, they would get to a certain point. And it's around the 50 like a whole new defense stepped in the game. And it was this 15-yard battle that they could never get through to get to the end zone and get to the destination that they fought 85 yards to get to. I'm telling you this morning, some of you are in the fight of your life and it's because you're on the 15-yard line and you're just almost to the end zone. You're almost to the destination. You're almost to the place that God has for you. The good thing about it is who's leading the blocking path for us and his name is Jesus and he's going to make a way sometimes where there is no way so you can go on through to your destination. What if what you're going through is simply a distraction to get your eyes off Jesus so you won't go into what you've been destined for 
in your life. Orpah got her mind off what was right and got her mind on her situation. (laughs) And she went back to the way it used to be. Some of you need to quit backing up and punting. Some of you, it's fourth and one, and, you need, to, and you, need to, you need to call the offensive line together. You need to bring your team together, and you need to say, we're not going backwards. We're going for fourth and one. We're going to get this first down. We're going to live to fight another day. And we're going to see what God has in store for your life. So you got the Orpah mindset, and it's the mindset of the one who quits. You got the Naomi mindset. The, the Naomi mindset is the mindset of the one who didn't quit but they're too far in to go back so they get bitter where they're at Naomi didn't go back and quit she pressed forward to go back home to the house of bread where she knew a redeemer was but on the way she got bitter in the moment she got bitter in the moment and she almost ruined her destiny of somebody redeeming her listen to the story it says in Ruth chapter number 1 verse 20 she said don't call me Naomi she told them call me Mara which means bitter because the almighty has made my life very bitter if we get stuck trying to figure out the reason everything happens we'll miss the revelation because our focus is wrong if we get stuck trying to figure out the reason A family member went home to be with the Lord too early. We're going to miss the revelation because our focus is wrong. If we're on a journey going somewhere together and we get to a certain point and people start turning back and you keep pressing on and in the middle of it you begin to enter a place called bitter, called Mara in your life. Because you're trying to figure out the revelation or the the, the reason rather than stepping into the revelation see the scary thing about this is this is where most of your life takes place it doesn't take place all the time at the start of the problem it doesn't always take place with the victory it's a place that David called the valley of the shadow of death that you're journeying through most of your life is journeying through the valley it's not on the mountaintop it's not starting the climb most of your journey it's going through something Naomi was going through something and I'm telling you if you're going through something don't quit walking (laughs) just keep walking keep going through it Jesus is walking with you if you're going through something this morning and you're ready to quit and go back and be Orpah and go back to the way it was and you're because you're in the middle of a journey and you're about to get bitter because nothing is coming together you haven't found the friends you want you haven't discovered your purpose in life you haven't encountered God the way you want to you haven't found that life-changing moment if you're on the journey I'm going to tell you keep pressing in him keep pressing forward because listen to what Naomi did to herself God did not change Naomi's name there are accounts in the Bible where God changes a Saul to a Paul hallelujah there are accounts in the Bible where God said you are no longer Abram but now you are Abraham and your wife is no longer Sarah but it's Sarai he changes a name to bring a destiny Naomi took it upon herself to change her name. God didn't change her name. What have we taken on ourselves that God has not put on us and now we're bitter about it? What have we taken on ourselves 
that God never put on you. And now we're mad about a situation that God didn't put on us and we're bitter about it and it's actually hindering the destiny that he's trying to bring us into because of what we have decided to call ourselves. God may have not told you to take that job. Now you're miserable at it. I love saying this. Your prayer request becomes your biggest praise report that then becomes your biggest prayer request. You pray for a brand new home. Hallelujah. He answers the prayer and he brings you into a brand new home with a brand new mortgage. Now your prayer request became your praise report. Now your prayer request is, oh God, I can't afford it. Your prayer request, God give us a child, <laughs> becomes a praise report for about 10 seconds after it's born. And then your prayer request is, oh God, help us because we don't know what to do. <laughs> I don't know how to raise this world changer I've been praying for. <laughs> the way you raise a world changer is one diaper at a time. Come on, somebody. <laughs> what have you brought onto your life? that God has not put on you that now you've become bitter about that you've got to place back in the hands of Almighty God in your life you're going through something you're going through a journey you're going through a reason in your life and if we get stuck trying to figure out a reason we're going to miss the revelation of what God has for us and if, if in our life we've put something on us that God hasn't put on us but we've put it on ourselves. in that moment if we don't turn our eyes back to Jesus we're going to end up being bitter the rest of our life because what you focus on is what you gravitate to this is why Jesus says, in the word it says, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author of Hebrew writes. Because he knows what you focus on is what you're going to gravitate to. Now, when your world changers get to about the age of 10, and you're coaching their soccer team, and I put a cone about 40 yards out there, and we're going to start running sprints. I told all the kids to get out in a line and be arm's length apart so you don't hit each other when you run. And I said, run to the line where the cone is in back. What you focus on is what you gravitate to. All the kids were looking at the cone, so they started out arm's length apart. By the time they got to the cone, 40 yards down the line, there's a mob of 10 of them right there, all trying to touch the cone. What you focus on is what you gravitate to. What you begin to dwell on is where you're going to begin to navigate your life from. In your life, what are you focusing on in the moment? Are you focusing on the pain of your current process that you're going through? Because if you're always focused on the pain that you're going through, you're going to end up being a painfully person to be around. What are you focused on? What you focus on is what you gravitate to in your life. And over the next few minutes, you're going to hear a time of personal confession how oh the two mindsets of Orpah and of Naomi the one of wanting to quit and the one of wanting trying to not get bitter have just plagued my life in ways I've never experienced before see today was supposed to be a completely different day than than it is at the beginning of this year, we had a, a goal set out and our heart was set on this and, and it was going to be a, a day, today was going to be uh, the groundbreaking of what we intended to be. 
And man, we've been working on this building project for over a year behind the scenes, fixing stuff and going to the drawing board and we'll get a blueprint and we'll start seeing stuff and, and, and I'll get frustrated and I'll just wrinkle it up and throw it in the trash and we gotta start over and it's been a process, it's been a battle for six months and we're going through something and, and, and people have been asking me, Joel, when's the new building coming? And Joel, when are we gonna get it and when are we gonna break ground? And I would love to say today, but guys, I'm just gonna be honest, it's not today. And man, I've struggled with this. I struggle with this because we're singing God of miracles. The one who was and is to come. And we preach about it, but what if it's not lining up on my timeline? Do you hear the key? What if it isn't working out the way the, way the process was supposed to? What if revealing but it was the process that God had to peel something off of Joel still on the way to the palace and I'm not going to lie pray for Pastor Derek <laughs> because we've been talking about this and we've been going to the drawing board and we've had more phone conferences and phone calls and the price of the building keeps going this way and the amount the banks will, will give us keeps seeming to go this way and so the gap seems to be getting larger rather than smaller and everything seems to be going the opposite direction that it should and it's we're going through something and as we're going through something I began to think it would be a lot easier just to quit the whole building project and throw it away can't do that can't do that can't quit we've been doing this thing 20 years we can't quit we've been fighting this battle 20 years we ain't stopping we've been fighting this thing we've been pressing forward we went from three people to six people in the first year six people to 12 people the second year 12 people to 24 people the third year most pastors would have quit and walked away we didn't quit we stuck it out we kept fighting the good fight of faith and we bought a building finally and then three years later we moved out to where we're at over here on, on, on FM 2560 and I remember seeing the pictures as they were there of us building this building and I remember being up in the very peak of our building as we were, as we were taping and bedding and building walls and, and, and really, literally built it with our own hands and oh God why, why could you not have just come through right See, see, the funny thing is, is I hope I am deflating some of your thoughts about, oh, Pastor Joel's this great man of faith because I struggle with things just like you do. I don't know how many times my wife has said, hang in there, babe. <laughs> Over the last 20 years. We're gonna get through it. I was like, I ain't getting through it. I'm Oprah, I'm quitting going back. <laughs> I'll go make money somewhere else, right? I ain't going to quit, but I'll be Naomi. I'm going to be bitter about it on the way through. <laughs> right? How you doing? Fine. How you doing today? <laughs> right? Walk into the office after a bad conference, bad phone call. Things aren't lining up. And it's like the staff just senses it. And it's like the water's part, you know? <laughs> it's like, whoo, something didn't go right. You go down to your office. And you sit there and you sit down in this chair and I got this big sign that sits right in front of me to remind me where to keep my eyes fixed and it's the words to God of miracles right in front of me. And every time I'm ready to say, God, I'm done, I just start seeing that song being played before me. 
and I know that he's going to come through. I know that he's going to be the powerful God that I want him to be. I know the building's going to come, and I know it's going to be a process when it comes. I'm just trusting him to keep peeling off whatever's got to be peeled off on the way to the palace that he's bringing us into. And with that, it's like, what are we going to do? And I heard God speak, not with a million-dollar check to get started on the building, not with a capital fundraising campaign that says start pushing forward like this. I heard God speak in the way he spoke to Elijah in a still small voice. And you know why God speaks in a still small voice? It's because he wants you to get close to him. That's why he whispers. I remember praying one time, God, would you speak louder? He said, would you just listen closer? Would you just listen closer? He's trying to draw me close to him, so I'll incline my ear to him. And I remember the words he spoke to me. He said, Joel, if you'll make more room, I'll build a bigger room. He said, if you make more room for people in your city to encounter me, in your county to encounter me, if you'll make more room for them to encounter me, I'll build you the room that you need to facilitate it. So what was the answer? And the answer we came to is this, beginning October 7th of this year, five and a half weeks away, we're starting three Sunday morning services. We're going through a third service on Sunday morning. We're going to keep pressing forward. We're not quitting. We're not stopping. We're going to keep pressing into the things of God. We're going to have the first service is going to start at 8.30. The second service is going to start at 10 o'clock. And the last service is going to start at 11.30. And we're going to breathe the church that this community needs. We're going to be the church. And we'll open as many services as we have to. To pack out that 500 seat facility over and over and over. Until the facility God is bringing us comes. But we're not stopping because of a building program isn't working out. We're not stopping because the things aren't lining up. We're going to go forward with what God's called for us to do. What if you got to go through some pain on the way to the palace? And here's what I need. I need your support for a third service. Not, go get them, pastor. That's not the support I'm talking about. Oh, we're going to go get them. I need your support in two different ways. I need you to bring people to it. People have quit coming to TWBC because it's too crowded all the time. Well, we're uncrowding it. So now you need to go get your friends and your family who need an encounter with God. You need to get that coworker who asks for prayer all the time, but you haven't invited to church yet because there's no space for him. Well, we're making space. God said, if you'll make more room for me, I'll build you the room that you need. I'm, I'm going to need you to start bringing people. Because I don't care if we got to go to four services before we get in a new facility. Let's do it. The job of the church is not to build bigger barns all the time. The job of the church is to figure out how to encounter the people of your community, the people of your county, and the people of your city with the power of God, whatever way possible. And so we're doing it in whatever way possible. And so we're going to three services. And this morning we had our TWBC Amazing Dream Team at a volunteer breakfast this morning. And you guys are absolutely amazing. And we're not going to ask more of you. We're not going to ask you to serve on a third service. We're going to ask you to keep just serving consistently and faithfully. Because we're not just opening up a door for people to come in and encounter God. We're opening up a door for everybody in this building to have a place to encounter God on their own as you serve in the kingdom of God. 
So I need some people to say yes to our children's department. I need some people to say yes to serving on the worship team. I need some people to say yes to our student ministries. I need some people to say yes, I'll be there to mop up baptistry water. I need some people to say yes to the kingdom of God and say, Pastor, you're not going to do it alone the next 20 years. We're going to be right here with you. We're going to walk beside you. We're going to be hand in hand as we do this journey together. And so the last six months, it's been this ongoing battle of Orpah, ongoing battle of Naomi, don't become bitter. But now we're going to find a way to be better, stepping forward by faith. And I said that God works in threes, and the trifecta of this book is you have Orpah, who quit and walked away. You have Naomi, who was halfway there and got bitter. But what if... What if most of the time, God in your life does not answer through an intervention, but he answers through giving you a See, I had to realize God wasn't answering my prayer through an intervention. God was answering my prayer by giving me a new interpretation of what he was telling me to do. See, your interpretation, your proper interpretation of what God has for you is everything. Listen, lying has five letters in it, but so does truth. Negative has eight letters in it, but so does positive. Under has five letters in it, but so does above. Cry has five letters in it, but so does joy. Anger has five letters in it, but so does happy. Wrong has five letters in it, but so does right. Hurt has four letters in it, but so does heal. I didn't need an intervention from God. I didn't need an intervention. I just needed a new interpretation of what he was calling me to do. And the three-letter word of cry is also the three-letter word of joy. And I could either cry about it and get bitter, or I could get a new interpretation and get better and walk in a spirit of joy for the kingdom of God like never before. Because the last time I remember reading what God told his people in the Old Testament, you're blessed when you come in, you're blessed when you go out. You're above and not beneath. You're the head and not the tail. You're the overcomer. You're not the one who is overcome. Within you, the church, is the bread of life. It is the Bethlehem that our county needs. It is the Bethlehem that our society needs. It is the bread of life that we must begin to bring to a people who, have and who need an encounter with God. And so now we get to the third woman of Ruth. It's the mindset of, are we going to push on through? Are we going to push on through to what God has for us? And so my question to God during this whole time was, why does it always have to be hard? Right? Why does it have to be hard? And God always answers me with a scripture. Go figure. It's frustrating. I wish he would just hug me and coddle me and pat me on the back and say, it's going to be okay, baby. We got this. But he didn't. He said, Joel, you're too grown for this. So he answered me with Romans chapter 5, verse 3. He said this, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. There's a certain glory that God can only bring as you're coming through the bitterness, as you're coming through the not quitting, as you're coming through the pain. There's a certain glory that accompanies the suffering that you've gone through. And I don't believe it's God's will for you to suffer all the time as you go through. But as you go through some sufferings in your life, there's a glory that he will bring that is associated with it that you won't get if there wasn't the suffering. 
Jesus went through it on the cross of Calvary if he didn't go through all he'd gone through the glory that was his wouldn't fully have been his because he didn't fully complete all the task so in the process of this he said Joel read Romans 5 through 3 through 5 not only so but we also glory in our sufferings because we know this that suffering produces perseverance God's wanting to see who ain't gonna quit I ain't quitting we've come too far I ain't quitting I know that's bad grammar but I ain't quitting there's some perseverance he's working out in me he's been working perseverance for 20 years and he's going to work it for another 20 years I ain't quitting just because a building didn't show up when I wanted it come on suffering produces perseverance perseverance then produces character that's what God's looking for He's not looking for the quality of my preaching. He's looking for the character of my heart. He's not looking for the quality of the building. He's looking for the character of the people in the building. So suffering produces perseverance, but in the perseverance, he's developing character. All through the Bible, all the greats of old, he had to do things in their life to develop their character. Moses spent 40 years with Pharaoh in his kingdom, then 40 years in the wilderness by himself, and then he went and rescued all the people out of Egypt for another 40 years as they were in the wilderness again he was developing something there was perseverance that had to take place to develop the character that God needed and it says suffering produces perseverance perseverance produces character and character produces hope there's still a hope there's a hope out there and it's not of us being in a new building one day it's about reaching a community today it's about reaching a county this morning it's about reaching our city with the gospel of Jesus Christ there's still a hope as long as there's breath in our lungs to see the kingdom of God and today I'm more hopeful and more determined than I've ever been say we can and I'm going to prove to you we can not out of spite but out of integrity of heart the Bible says this, and I love it about King David. It said, David shepherded the people with integrity of heart and the skill of his hand. He shepherded it with integrity first, and the skill came second. I'm not so worried about the quality of my preaching as I am the character of my heart. I want the character of my heart to be right. So as we get into the place of the palace of the promise of God, that we, that we shepherd with integrity, and we do it with a skillful hand before almighty God what if it is hard because God is not punishing you but because he is preparing you I ask God this question God why do I always got to do it the hard way what if he ain't punishing you what if he's preparing you for the days ahead what if what you're going through God knows it's not going to kill you because greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world so what you're going through isn't going to kill you so it's simply preparing you for the day at hand that's coming before you so when you get to the palace you got the promise of God what if he's not doing it to punish you what if he's doing it to prepare you for something what if he's not doing it to hold you back what if he's doing it to propel you forward Whenever you have a slingshot, you don't get the rock going forward till you pull it back a long way. And some of you are feeling stretched in your life, and he's only stretching you because he's about to propel you somewhere. He's only stretching you because he's preparing you, and when he finally releases you, you're going to re to the kingdom of God like never before. Your dream is as close to you as your perseverance is. 
don't quit don't stop I'm reminded of a story and it happened in 1996 one of the greatest years ever that's when I graduated high school <laughs> funny thing is a third of the people laughing weren't even born then in this building <laughs> right <laughs> third of y'all weren't even born in 1996 isn't that awesome that we have a whole generation that doesn't even know 1996 and the church is still growing generationally hallelujah and in 1996 there was a young girl who was born in the other greatest year 1977 the same year I was born right and her name was Carrie Strug and she was on a team that year of the Olympics in Atlanta called the Magnificent, the Magnificent Seven these seven gymnast girls were, were, were no longer the underdogs but they were slated to win the gold medal and the excitement that was at these Olympics, because it was home, it was, in, it was in Atlanta, Georgia, and it was on our home turf, and the Magnificent Seven girls were going to finally win the gymnastics gold medal after the dominance of the Russians, after the dominance of some other countries, have had it for so many years, and it was the time of the moment of their life when everything was riding on their shoulders. All the rounds had been done, and it comes down to Carrie's last round. And the United States was in second place. They entered the last round of the vault in first place. The first girl that did the vault fell both times and got a horrible score. The second girl that did the vault fell in both times and got a horrible score. And they immediately saw this lead that they had that was so dominant dwindling before their very eyes. And the sure enough it looked like their dreams were slipping away and they were gone as a matter of fact they were now in second place and Carrie an 18 year old girl carrying the hopes and dreams of a nation the hopes and dreams of her team the hopes and dreams of her whole life lines up on the starting line and as she lines up on the starting line she takes off sprinting down the lane as fast as she can and she's sprinting with all her heart she hits the vault she does her flips and she lands and when she lands she doesn't land and stick it she lands and falls and it hurts when you fall and sometimes you don't know how bad you're hurt when you fall until after the fact and Carrie fell that morning and when she fell her ankle rolled underneath her when you fall it hurts and Carrie didn't know how bad she was hurt she had tore two ligaments in her ankles and didn't know it and she gets up tears streaming down her face she was hurt internally because her hopes and dreams had just basically vanished the gold medal was gone and it had vanished but also the hurt of her foot but she had one more opportunity you get two runs on the vault and as she starts walking she can't put any pressure on her foot and so she's limping back over to the starting line and she makes her way over she can't even walk she makes her way over and she's hearing all the crowd she's hearing all the voices in your head and y'all everybody's got voices in their head and she's hearing all the voices in her head and she's hearing all the hopes and the dreams 
All the TV interviewers saying, what's going to happen now? All the things going on. And then she hears out of her ear her coach over here in the corner because he can't come on the place. He's got to stay over to the side. And he hears her coach saying, Carrie, Carrie, look at me. Carrie, you got to look at me. Don't look at where it hurts because if you look at where it hurts, you're not going to go fast. Look at me. You got to look at me, Carrie. You got to look at me. You can do this. Don't look down at your situation. If you look at your situation, you're going to stop. The problem with people in the church is they look at their situation more than their eyes of their God, and they stop because their situation looks bigger. Their pain is more prominent than the promise that's before them. And he said, Carrie, look at me. You can do this. I wish I had a Russian accent so I could do it like him, but... He said, you can do this. And Carrie lines up. She can hardly put any pressure on this foot. And to do the vault, you can't walk, you gotta run. You gotta run. And with all the pain that she was going through, and there's this one YouTube clip that the, the camera's right there on her face and you see a tear roll down the side of her face. What do you do when all your dreams are hanging in the moment of one run? Everything you got, it's on this one run. And I only got one foot to stand on, but I got to land on two. <laughs> I got to stick this. I can't just do any vault. I got to do the one that I wrote down, and I got to get a near perfect score. I got to get almost a perfect 10 for my country to get the gold medal. So, with everything that she had in her, it's silence across the arena. She takes off running with everything that she's got. And she runs. And she runs with everything that she's got. And she opens her eyes at the last minute. She hits the horse. She flips through the air. And as she's coming down, she lands it and sticks it. She landed on two when she couldn't stand on one. <laughs> and she stuck it. And when she landed, she landed up, popped it up. And she stood there like this. And everybody went crazy. What are you going to do when you're in that moment? When you want to quit? When the pain is so great? When the problems are so prominent? When you only got one foot to run on, but you got to land on two? Don't ever let the destiny of your dream that God has before you be imprisoned by the expectation of somebody behind you. Don't ever let your dream... Don't ever let it be imprisoned from somebody else's expectation. You go with the voice and you're going to have to tune all the other voices out. Out of everybody in that auditorium, she heard her coach saying, Carrie, Carrie, look at me. It's what the authors of the book of Hebrew wrote when he said, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher and the perfecter of your faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross that was now behind him and he brought redemption to all mankind. For the joy that's set before us, we're carrying the cross of three services for the community that needs us, for the county that loves us, for the city that needs to encounter Jesus Christ. And we're going to do it, and I'm not worried about people's expectations behind me. I'm concerned with the dream and the destiny that God has in front of us. And I will not let the dream of TWBC and the destiny that we have be imprisoned by the expectation of somebody who doesn't believe. So let's do this thing together.
Let's do this together. The thing about it is, what I love more than anything is time is on our side. And what I mean by that is this. I feel like I'm getting old very fast. <laughs> the younger ones say amen. The people older than me laugh because it's like you ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> but here's what I'm going to tell you. God does not operate within our time frame. He is the creator of time and all of time frames. So he operates outside of his creation, outside of the creation of time. And if God is the author of time and creates time and he operates outside our realm of time, that means time is always on our side because we are in God and God is in us. And if he created time, time now becomes our best friend, not our worst enemy. Come on, somebody. Time is on your side today. Time is in your favor today. And this morning, it's now your time. It's now your time. Some of you came in here battling the Orpa spirit. And you've quit. And you've, you've made a lifestyle out of quitting because it's easier to quit than to press through the pain. But when you press through the pain, you're going to get to the promise. I'm telling you, you are. And today I want you to change your lifestyle and don't quit. And I want you to be able to pray with one of these ministers that will stand up here in just a minute. And I want you to pray with them and overcome that Orpa spirit. Some of you this morning, you've got to get past the Naomi spirit. You've got to get past the bitterness of the past things in your life. I don't know what you've gone through, but I know you've got plenty to be bitter about. Everybody does. But if we don't learn to get better rather than to get bitter, we're never going to enter the destiny that God has for us. And God wants to heal some people of bitter hearts this morning. Some of you need to adop adopt the Ruth spirit, the spirit that says, I'm going to press on through. I'm going to keep pressing through. And I'm going to get to where God has called me. The life of Ruth was not easy. The life of Ruth was actually miserable till she met a redeemer. A redeemer is somebody who could take her in and give her back everything that she had lost. You have a redeemer in Jesus Christ. He wants to take you in this morning and give you back everything that the devil stole and everything that you've ever lost. He wants to bring time back on your side. He wants to see your life with a new perspective you have a redeemer in your life this morning and his name is Jesus and if you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life you're going to go through life with the Orpah spirit of always quitting with the Naomi spirit of always being bitter but if you come in contact with Jesus Christ and you'll encounter the almighty God this morning through Jesus Christ himself he'll give you a new spirit the Bible says and a new heart he's going to put in you this morning Right now, I want to take a moment, and if you're watching online, we're fixing to end the broadcast, and I want to say thank you for joining in, and you're dismissed right now, and if you have need of prayer, reach out to us, and we want to pray with you. We want to be your church family. We want you to know that we love you, and we care for you, and we'll see you next Sunday at TWBC. And guys, as that ends our live broadcast, we did that on purpose.